Hey everybody, it's Jamie Butcher and this is Use Your Words. This is a Bible basics podcast for parents because we all know that kids ask complicated questions. So we're here to help you find words of faith for your kids. How do we say simply what we believe? Today I'm here with my colleague, Chris Holmes, the Reverend Dr. Chris Holmes. He is the John H. Stimbler Scholar for Biblical and Theological Education at First Presbyterian Church, where we are colleagues. And Chris, our topic for today is, you ready for it? Divine violence. Oh, good, an easy one. Yeah. Simple. So, <laughs> uh, so here we go. Um, Chris. What were your feelings about a mean God or this idea of a violent God when you were a kid? Yeah, that, that's great. So I don't, I think like many people, I didn't come to realize, you know, what was divine violence or this angry God until probably much later as a Christian, you know, either in college or seminary. But one story that I connect with is uh, looking back on my upbringing and how every summer in elementary school I would I would make this recommissioned or recommit my life to Christ at some summer camp or some conference and it was you know it was these tr traditional sort of four-day camps where on the the evening of the third night there was this crucifixion night that was what camp leaders would talk about this is the night we're going to talk about the crucifixion and I can remember a, a, a number of the speakers would go into painful details about the crucifixion. Um, and oftentimes these painful details were meant to sort of bring out the pain that Jesus experienced on the cross. Um, we would have descriptions about holes in hands or flesh getting pulled off because of the whips or the, you know, the, the pain of the thorns. And all of this was, was meant to sort of underscore um, how much Jesus suffered and how I had something to do with it, how it was somehow my fault um, or that he did it for me or, mm -hmm. or something. And so, um, you know, it seemed like the, the violence of the crucifixion was, was used as a way to sort of, I don't know if I would say manipulate, but maybe manipulate the emotions so that we would make this decision for Christ. And so in the years past of thinking, I've wondered if, if that's an appropriate way to talk mm -hmm. about the crucifixion for a third, fourth, or fifth grader, mm -hmm. um, or even a seventh grader. I don't know. It seems like um, cap capturing just the violence for, uh, for this purpose, I'm not sure. I'm still sort of agnostic about whether or not that was effective. Clearly, I, made, I recommitted my life a number of times each summer, um, but I'm not sure that it, it, it did uh, the best for my long-term faith life. Yeah, uh, that is interesting, and because I'm kind of on the other side of the spectrum, so this will be good for our yeah. for the parents to hear. I remember Bible stories as a kid. I grew up going to a Presbyterian church. I'm sure we heard stories about Noah's Ark and yeah. about the Exodus and the plagues, and I certainly knew that Jesus was crucified. But I don't think I was ever encouraged to believe it enough or to uh, align with those stories enough that I wondered why would God do some of those things? Why would God act in a mean way? Yeah. So I do have a story from when I was a director of children's ministry at a church here in Atlanta. And it was Presbyterian Church, and we were teaching the kids from a curriculum that starts with creation and moves through the Old Testament and makes its way to uh, Jesus' birth around Christmas. Stories of Jesus, you know, come after Christmas. Yeah. 
So in these early days when we were in Genesis, we had been talking to the kids about some pretty disturbing events now for a few weeks. And I clearly remember one little girl, she was probably in second grade, after she had heard the teachers talk on the plates and how God had sent the boils and sent the locusts and turned the Nile into blood. Into blood. Into blood. And, you know, we did talk about killing the firstborn son. Yeah. I don't, we didn't linger on it with any details, but, you know, it's the story. Yeah. It's there. So I remember her raising her hand um, and saying, Pastor Jamie, why is God so mean? Man, and, how did you even engage that question? Yeah, well, you know, I was grateful to God that I had an answer uh, because it's okay if I didn't have an answer and just wondered with her yeah. and say, yeah, this is tough. And I wonder about that too. But this time I was able to say, you know what? These stories about God were written at a time when a lot of people had other gods. Yeah. And so for the Israelites to know that their God was the strongest and the most powerful and the biggest and baddest gave them a lot of reasons to be confident in following him. And I said, you know what? Those are not the only stories about God in Exodus or in the Bible. And I was able to point to that passage from Exodus that I love so much that I think is the most important thing that we teach kids. And probably we should be teaching this over the plagues, but kids really love to hear about the frogs, you yes, know? Yes, of course. Um, but is that God is a merciful God and is slow to anger and is merciful and just and forgiving. And so those were the things that I offered to her in an understanding of a good question. Why does God seem so mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I love, I love how you talk about it because I think the first thing you did was you called attention to the importance of context, that the, the writings in the Bible were written and preserved in a time that's very different from our own. And so most of us, many of us, have this sort of vague notion of a higher power, that it, there's a singular higher power, and maybe we call this higher power different names, right? Um, you've heard this in, in a number of circles, but in the ancient Mediterranean world and the ancient Near Eastern world, there there were multiple views of God, and there there were this understanding that there was sort of multiple gods vying for human affection or human attention. And so, if if one nation was successful in war, it was perceived to be that that god defeated the god of the other nations. And so, being able to pull out even just in a little way some of that context to say, wait maybe we understand God differently than the people in Exodus understood God, I think is, is really important. And the, the second thing that I would say sort of related to that is, I think it's important for us, for us to ask the question about what is the function of a story like this? And when you say, maybe this story is meant to say that God is stronger than the other gods, that's getting at the function, which then allows us to have another conversation about, well, do we believe this? Or is this the only view of God that we get in the Bible? And I think that that's, that's absolutely right. And I loved that you went to that quotation about God's mercy, because one of the things that can happen is when we talk about the Old Testament in particular, we can say, well, that the God in the Old Testament is like angry and mean and, and vindictive, but 
but Jesus is so nice, and the God that Jesus reveals is so loving. And I think we want to, when we talk to our kids about maybe some of the rougher stories in the Bible, we want to be really careful not to make them, not to set up this idea that the God of the Old Testament is somehow different from the God of the New Testament. Um, historically, the church has said that's a bad idea, and so we want to we hold to things like God's mercy and God's grace and God's power as, as these, these sort of characteristics of God that we find in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, and we, we want to hold on to that view of God as much as we can. Yeah, and it's so true that children will find this divine violence, a mean God, in the New Testament. That's right. Uh, there is a funny story I like to tell when I worked in children's ministry. I worked closely with a preschool director. Uh, it was associated with the church and they had chapel every week. And she had been a preschool director for like 25 or 30 years. And similar stories were told every week in yeah. chapel. I mean, that's the good thing about Bible stories. They don't change. Um, <laughs> so they had their curriculum set. But they would always start with stories about Jesus. And they would teach the kids that Jesus loves them, that Jesus is their friend, that Jesus heals that Jesus is God's son, that Jesus was a baby. Kids love to know that Jesus was a baby. Yeah. And then she said, after teaching the kids all these important things about Jesus, guess what comes? Oh man. Holy week. Oh, bad news bears. Yeah, so the kids are hearing that their best friend, their special friend, their divine friend, dies on the cross in a tough and terrible way. And so there is no way, I believe, in Christianity that you can avoid violence. There are some ways we can think about talking to kids about that in developmentally appropriate ways, but there's just no avoiding that text of terror. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's right. If if Christianity is sort of um, centered on, or at least considers to be most one of the most important things, the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can't get past the death of Jesus, and we can't get rid of the fact that the manner of his death was was not only shameful in the Roman world, but was also very very painful. And one of the things that, that I love about the, the tradition of, of our Christian tradition of talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus is that it gives us space to talk about when really bad things happen. And one of the traditions that, that I've learned uh, after seminary is the, the tradition of Holy Saturday, which is that, that day in between Jesus' really painful death, surprising death, um, and his resurrection, and it's this Saturday where we sit in grief. And I think that, again, as long as we can do it in a way that is developmentally appropriate, we can ask our kids to think about where are places they experience Holy Saturdays? Where are those places where they experience disappointment, where they dis experience pain, and even where we as parents can share that. 
because I think it's really important that kids grow up knowing that the, the Christian faith that they're a part of has lots of great things, lots of things to say thanksgiving for and to say, sing praise for and to be happy about, but it also makes a lot of room for us to say when we're disappointed or angry or, or hurt. And being able to use the story of Jesus' crucifixion um, and Holy Saturday as a way to sort of invite faithful reflection on that aspect of our faith. Definitely. There are some tips I would give, and okay. this is going back to your story about growing up and some of your experiences of guilt and shame around some of the details of the crucifixion. Yeah. One thing I always say to parents is don't tell the gory details. The atonement is no less meaningful for these kids who have just heard about their best friend's death yeah when you're sharing about the nails in the hand or the spear in the side or the crown of thorns. That doesn't need to be shared for kids to find that meaning that you just spoke about. And with that, the place for sadness, the place for disappointment, this is a story where they can express those feelings, which is something I know kids work on a lot in school That's is right. getting their feelings out. Um, one of the things I like to do with children around Holy Week and Easter is have them color one side of a cross or one side of a page black and think about the feeling of sadness. Mm, and then they flip over to the other side and they can decorate, you know, with sparkles and glitter or flowers and know that there's another part of the story that's coming, but that doesn't make the sad part any easier to hold. Yeah. One last tip that I share, and this is something that's good for adults too, and that is let's try not to blame other people. So this is coming from a woman, uh, Kirkpatrick is her name, and she writes 100 things that your child should know before confirmation. Okay, okay. And she talks about the crucifixion, and she says that her child said, Mom, why did these bad people kill Jesus? And that's something kids like to do. They like to have good and bad, you know, your action heroes and your villains. Yeah, yeah easy black and white. Easy black and white. But what she encouraged her kid to think about is that sometimes people don't know what's happening and sometimes they make the wrong choices. Yeah. And that was a way for both the parents to recognize the anti-Semitism that often goes with the story or can go with the story in our history, but also allow the kids to know that sometimes we don't make the right choices. Yeah. And you know what Jesus said from the cross? Father, forgive them. Yeah, they, they know, know not what they do. Amen. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I think that the not blaming people is really important. I just You, you said anti-Semitism, and I, I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page, which is sometimes when we get, why did these bad people do this thing to good Jesus? That gets translated to, the Jewish people are bad because they killed Jesus. And in the history of, of, of the church, actually really terrible things have been done to Jews um, during Holy Week because of this sense that those bad people did this really bad thing to Jesus. And one, one thing when I teach on the crucifixion in a seminary set, setting, I remind people that um, it was the best of the world that crucified Jesus, not the worst. It wasn't the mafia, it wasn't under you know a, an underground cartel, it was the very best of humanity at that time that did that. And so it should, it, we should 
enter into that story, not with we're on the good side and they're on the bad side, but wow, what does it say that even the very best in me sometimes can be opposed to the ways of God? And I, I'm not sure that that's an appropriate sort of set of conversations for kids, but I think for parents to think about can be really important. And the other sort of last thing that I would say when it comes to blaming others, and this is tricky, and we might get in trouble for this, but uh, sometimes we blame God for the death of Jesus. And we say, we even have it in our hymns, that, that in Jesus' death, the wrath of God was satisfied. And this idea that, that Jesus had to die in order for God to be happy, and, and that's a, a particular theory of the atonement or a theory of what happens through the death of Jesus. And I'll just say here, I, I think that there are a lot of other ways to understand the death and resurrection of Jesus that don't include this idea that Jesus, that God had to somehow be placated um, through the bloody death of his son. I think that uh, particularly for kids, I'm not sure that divine uh, divine child abuse is the best way to understand um, what happened on the death, of and death and resurrection. And so you can talk about it with about love. We can, we can talk about it with, um, you know, sorrow in our own sort of experience of, of disappointment. But I'm not sure that leading our kids to think that uh, God somehow had to get it, get it right, and the only way to do it was through Jesus, um, is the best way to talk to our kids about it. And even if we have a tradition in our, in our Christian, uh, Christianity to do so in just that way. Parents, I hope you hear that. This is a Bible scholar telling you that there are other ways to think about the death of Jesus than as uh, something that God commanded. So we are glad to hear that, Chris. It does give us permission to think about other ways of understanding this. You know, the song I like to sing is, What Wondrous Love Is This? Oh, my soul. Yeah. I won't sing it here, Chris. Yes, okay, and that's we, okay. We will not sing it I don't it here. sing I, ever. Good. This is not a singing time together. Um, but, man, we're coming close in our time. Do you have any final thoughts for us on this important and tough topic? Uh, you know, I think the last thing that I'd say in terms of understanding the divine violence that is the crucifixion is, um, is many scholars have said that this shows us that God connects with those who are suffering. That, that what is revealed in the death and resurrection is that God is on the side of those who are oppressed and those who are experiencing suffering. And that can also be another way for you to talk to your kids about, about the meaning of Jesus' death, is that it says that even the worst of life, God has been present in that and has defeated that. And therefore, we can be confident that God is present with us even in our worst moments, and that is ultimately going to be victorious over those. There's no place we can go where God is not. That's right. That's right. So, Chris, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Thanks.